All right, so it's good to be here. Um, we are wrapping up Judges this evening. Done. And we're moving on to Ruth next week. So we'll have um, a good, just a brief intro into the book of Ruth. Uh, Ruth and Naomi, and we have the story of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And um, so it, it's, a, it's just a, a great short book, but so powerful. And so I'm looking forward to getting into the book, book of Ruth next week. But to, this evening, we are um, wrapping up in the book of Judges. We're in Judges chapter 21. Uh, so as you turn there, I'm going to just remind you of a few things. Um, perhaps that, uh, you know, you may have gotten it in the e-bulletin today um, or uh, heard it in the announcements on Sunday. But welcome back, Jackie. Good to see you. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so the announcements. Um, we have the hand, Hands and Feet Food Box delivery this Saturday, so August 24th, 8 a.m., and um, what, uh, where we're going to meet is at the Magnolia City Church, um, that's on Riverside Avenue. So if you have any questions about that, if you want the address, uh, you can see Ruby right over here, and she can give you um, details about that. Uh, but we normally go there, um, load up with uh, food, and then go to um, our location, so... That's what we normally do. It's a great opportunity to serve the community. We also have um, a theology classes starting back up. So we're going to continue going through the different subjects, the different doctrines of um, the Bible that we see there. And we need to understand this, this doctrine soundly. And so that's why we have these classes. So Sunday night at 630, we're going over pneumatology or the study of the Holy Spirit and um, so this teaching is shared. Um, this, this Sunday is going to be uh, Tim McManus's um, turn. And so he'll be, he'll be teaching. Uh, Robert, I believe, is teaching one of them as well. Isaac is teaching another one. And who else? There's, there's another. Uh, anyway, I'll announce him when he comes. <laughs> anyway, we have those coming up. But th- this Sunday, that's what we have. We also have the Haiti Missions Trip Fundraiser. Um, just make a note of that. That's Friday, September 6th at 6 p.m. Um, if you're interested in um, it's, it, these tickets, they don't have a price on them. It's just by donation, whatever it is that the Lord lays on your heart. All the contributions, of course, go towards the team that's going to Haiti, and that's at the end of October going into November. So for one week, um, they'll be going out to Haiti. And serving the people there. So the Haiti Missions Trip fundraiser, though, is on Friday, September 6th. So please make a note of that. All right. So other than that, um, I just want to say that we had a great fun in the sun this last Saturday. Um, a, lot, a lot of kids showed up. A lot of big kids showed up. Um, we had a lot of fun playing with water and um, just chasing each other and, and also hearing the gospel. And so we know that families were ministered to, children were ministered to, and it's all glory to God. So that's what we had this past Saturday. All right, so you should already be in Judges chapter 21. Let's start off with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our study. Heavenly Father, uh, we are once again thankful for this moment that you've given to us to come and study your word, to sit at your feet and listen to your voice. Father, you have something to say to each and every one of us. There's nothing in here that should return void. For your word tells us that your word does its effective work in every single one of us. 
if we would just have ears to hear what you would have what you have to say to the church and so i pray father that we are open and ready to receive whatever it is that you have for us this evening and so we commit this time into your hands lord we ask your blessing your anointing and we pray this all in jesus name amen so once again i want to start out with reading the last verse in the last chapter um, of this book, which is Judges twenty one twenty five, which reads, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Um, kind of the, the title and that, I, that I summarized the whole book with is uh, Broken People, Faithful God. And, and we've seen this throughout our study from chapter 1 now through chapter 21. You'll see uh, people who are unfaithful. Um, they're, they're in chaos. They... Their thinking is off. They go into directions they shouldn't be going into. And they do things they shouldn't be doing. And so in those days, certainly there was no king in Israel. And everyone, as we've seen, did what was right in his own eyes. And this evening, we've come to the end of our study in the book of Judges. Now, let me ask you this. Does anyone know? I mean, we've gone through 21 chapters. We will have gone through 21 chapters after this evening's over. Does anyone know... How many years the book of Judges covers? Uh, and you can, what do you think? Is it 100? 50? 150? 200? Give me 300. I hear 300 over here, 300 going once. 400. 400 years. 400. 400 years of this, what we've gone through over and over and over again, 400 years of this is what we have before us. And it's all summed up in this last verse, sadly. It's all summed up in this last verse. It's overall chaos and not much makes sense in the way they conduct themselves. This evening's study of Judges 21 is no different than the previous 20 chapters. We know that If man insists on exchanging the truth about God for a lie and worships idols instead of God, then at some point God can and will give them over to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of of their bodies among themselves, according to Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. You can read through. If we insist on doing that, which we just want to do in opposition to God, He'll give us over to those desires. Because we can have our consciences seared we can grieve the holy spirit we can deny the holy we can lie to the holy spirit and so even though the holy spirit is drawing us unto the lord we can deny him today just as in those days god will give such people over to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done And I pointed to the day in which we live in several times throughout our study. It's not just in the United States that we're we're doing things that do not make sense. You look around and you think some of the the decisions that are being made by high-level people just do not make sense whatsoever. But it's just not in the United States. It's all over the world. This foolishness and obsession with following our own desires is destroying everything. Everything. In the very society we claim 
to love. The things the world values are empty and opposed to God. In fact, Solomon says everything under the sun is vanity, right? It's empty. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's of no value whatsoever. We are to love God and obey his commandments. Now that is of eternal value. A lesson to learn tonight. If we make a foolish vow, we need to be quick to repent of it. It's a simple lesson. If you've ever made a foolish vow and come to realize that it's a foolish vow, we ought to learn, just as we study this chapter this evening, that we need to be quick to repent of it. Turn. That was, Lord, I'm so sorry. I know I vowed. I know I promised. But that was foolish. That's what we ought to learn about what we have before us this evening. We, we don't try and make something wrong right by doing another wrong thing. We, we don't do that. It, it just doesn't make sense and never will. Humility before God is to admit we are wrong, ask Him for forgiveness, and then do what's right. It, it truly is as simple as that. But it requires us to humble ourselves before, as I keep saying, a holy and righteous God, regardless of what other people think. See, our our pride rises up, its ugly head, when we think about how we'll look in the eyes of others. It shouldn't matter. It's just the Lord. That's, That's all who should matter, just Him. So let's take a look. Uh, Judges chapter 21 verse 1 starts out saying, Now the men of Israel had sworn at Mizpah, No one of us shall give his daughter in marriage to Benjamin. We start out this way, and understanding and seeing this foolish vow addressed. The Israelites had vowed to not give their daughters in marriage to the tribe of Benjamin. But as we'll see, they devised some wild ways to get around it. But before we get into those wild ways, let's see what they're thinking. How they respond to this dilemma and how that may even reflect the way in which people today respond to consequences they find themselves in the middle of that have nothing to do with God. You know, sometimes we, we get ourselves into these troubled times, these consequences uh, we find ourselves wrapped up in. And it has nothing to do with what God did, but what we'd done to get us into that trouble. He didn't do it. We always seemed to turn to him. He didn't do it. We did it. That's what we have here. Now we need to understand what Benjamin did was evil. But how Israel responded was beyond justice. It was a punishment that crossed the line. Israel massacred almost the entire tribe of Benjamin. This is how they responded to what they were faced with. A tribe that now only had 600 men left. That was it. 600 men. They slaughtered 25,100 of the people of the tribe of Benjamin. Almost completely wiped out. So this is how they responded to this dilemma they found themselves in. In verse 2, it says, And the people came to Bethel and sat there till evening before God. And they lifted up their voices. 
and wept bitterly. And they said, O Lord, the God of Israel, why has this happened in Israel, that today there should be one tribe lacking in Israel? This is, you know, I want to take it kind of slow here because this, is, this was their response. Number one, they, they, they had vowed to not give themselves to the Benjamites. There's no way. But here they are. This is their response to, to this problem. Israel did something good, though. They did. Israel came and presented themselves before God. They were seeking God amid this dilemma. And they wept bitterly. So they were, they were sorry for the situation that the tribe of Benjamin was now in. It, it, they had compassion on their fellow Israelites, on the tribe of Benjamin. So they wept bitterly. They sought God. But let's consider the fact that it was Israel that ambushed the Benjamites. No? They completely devoted the city of Gibeah to destruction. They killed 25,100 in total. They're the ones that burned down all the cities. But check out verse 3 once more. And they said, O Lord, the God of Israel, why has this happened in Israel, that today there should be one tribe lacking in Israel? This response is is one that that is often found on the lips of the children of God today. Oh Lord, my God, why has this awful thing happened? It's the equivalent of that. How is it that, in other words, how is it that you could allow such a thing to happen? Imagine, who's crying out to God? The Israelites, they're the ones that followed through with this. Right? They're the ones crying out to God in this manner. As if they didn't do it. Or it was God who directed them to take such drastic measures. Yes, God told them, and I know. He said, go up for tomorrow. I will give them into your hand in Judges twenty twenty eight. But he didn't tell them to devote them to destruction. You, you, you know from previous studies that there were cities, there were people, but, but they were the Canaanites. They were the people who who were in the land, that they were to devote to destruction, right? That is not what what God, uh, the Lord, the God of Israel, had told the children of Israel to do. They had lost 40,000 warriors, 22,000 in the first battle, 18,000 in the second battle. And now they went in, and of course we know they wiped out 25,100 of the tribe of Benjamin. But they weren't told by God to wipe them off the face of the earth. But they almost did. Their vengeance was, was too much. Their response had been excessive. Now I know when wrong's done to us, the weight of our vengeance oftentimes outweighs 
what has been done to us. Because of the emotions, the anger that builds up within us, we want to come back with much more force than what we were hit with. That's just common. That's a, a fallen human nature to do that. God is, is perfect in his justice. His judgment is perfect. And in this case, their vengeance was, was excessive. It crossed the line. But they did seek the Lord. They did cry out to him. They did weep bitterly. And they slept that night without figuring out a solution. They didn't conclude with a, some kind of a, a plan, like this is what we're going to do. But they slept that night. And in verse 4, it says, And the next day the people rose early and built there an altar and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the people of Israel said, Which of all the tribes of Israel did not come up in the assembly to the Lord? For they had taken a great oath concerning him who did not come up to the Lord to Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. And the people of Israel had compassion for Benjamin, their brother, and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel this day. What shall we do for wives for those who are left, since we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them any of our daughters for wives? So the next day, the Israelites took it a step further in seeking the Lord. They offered burnt offerings. They offered peace offerings to God on the altar they had built. And then they discussed among themselves who, who, who had not come up with us to Mizpah. Of all the Israelites, who, who hadn't come up with us uh, to, to form up, to gather together, to unite against Gibeah? Against the Benjamites. Because they were reminded, of, apparently the next day, they, they, they were reminded, oh yeah, we had made another vow. This vow was that they would put to death whoever didn't come up with us. Whoever didn't join us, we would put to death. And now they were thinking that maybe whoever that is has some unmarried single ladies amongst them who whom we can offer to the Benjamites because they didn't make the oath like Israel did. So they didn't come up to Mizpah. They didn't make the oath. And so therefore we go and take them out. In fact, we vow to take them out to, to, to uh, uh, kill them. And then we'll take their virgin daughters and we'll give them to the tribe of Benjamin. Oh, it just, like I said, it just keeps spiraling down, doesn't it? It just just keeps getting worse. Please notice something very important here, though. They offered burnt offerings. They offered peace offerings to God. But the Israelites, we haven't seen here, we haven't read that they asked God what he thought. They didn't go to him. We don't, we don't. We don't have it before us. Yes, they sacrificed. They went through what they knew they they were supposed to do. Made these offerings. But they didn't ask God what he thought. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. 
You see, the Lord would have preferred the Israelites to simply confess their sin, to turn from their sin, and then seek God's wisdom and act in obedience to what they should do. That's, it's the same thing today. It's We are to come to the place to where, as God reveals to us that which is not of Him, that we are to confess that. We agree with I agree with you. Lord, as you've revealed this sin, that it is sin, it, I've missed the mark. And in that confession, you ask for God's forgiveness. As you ask for, God for uh, God's forgiveness, then you, you turn from that sin and, and do the very opposite. If you lie, now you tell the truth. If you've stolen, now you give. You're generous. You do, you put off and you put on. That's what we learned this last Sunday also, right? Put off and put on. Put off that which is not of God. Put on that which is of God's character. That which honors and glorifies Him. So they didn't do that though. They were trying to figure out how to maneuver around their vow. Because now they were claiming they had, that they had compassion on Benjamin, their brother. No, I have no doubt that they actually did have compassion but it was after the fact. And they were still trying to find a way around it. Verse 8 says, And they said, What one is here of the tribes of Israel that did not come up to the Lord at, to, to Mizpah? And behold, no one had come to the camp from Jabesh Gilead to the assembly. For when the people were mustered, behold, not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead was there. So the congregation sent 12,000 of their best of their bravest men there, and commanded them, Go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead with the edge of the sword, also the women and the little ones. This is what you shall do. Every male and every woman that has lain with a male, you shall devote to destruction. And they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead four hundred young virgins who had not known a man by by lying with them. And they brought them to the camp at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. Then the whole congregation sent word to the people of Benjamin who were at the rock of Rimon and proclaimed peace to them. And Benjamin returned at that time and they gave them the women whom they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead. But they were not enough for them. And the people had compassion on Benjamin because the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. Again, even that last statement the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. Well, he had allowed it, just as, again, he allows us to do that which we insist on. But, but now again, here we have the Israelites trying to, trying to find a, a way around their, their promise, their vow to the Lord. And they remembered that the people of Jabesh Gilead, which was east of the Jordan, had not come up with them to Mizpah to help, and had not made that vow with them. So... They said, that's it. That is the answer. We'll send 12,000 of our most courageous and most skilled warriors to kill every single person, male, female, children, any female who had laid with a man, but we'll preserve the life of all the virgins and bring them to be offered to the Benjamites, to give them over to the Benjamites. And we know from what we just read that there were 400 young virgins who had not known a man by lying with them. And this is whom they had brought to the 
tribe of Benjamin, the 600 men. They went and made peace with him. They said, you know what? Everything's fine. We're not going to completely wipe you out. Come, we have for you 400 women that you may be reestablished, that you may multiply and reestablish your tribe. But it wasn't enough. You see, there were 600 men left to the tribe of Benjamin and 400 virgin women. They were short by 200. So, so they keep going. They, they still try and keep figuring out, how is it that we're going to make this right with them? So get this. Here's a solution. Well, let's slaughter some more of our own Israelites and steal their young single women to give them to the men of the tribe of Benjamin that were left. Why? Because they had made another foolish vow that whoever did not come up to them or with them to Mizpah to help them fight against Benjamin would be put to death. They made this vow, and so they figured out Jabesh Gilead. Oh, yeah, they, they didn't come up, so let's take them. This is, this is how they figured things out. And so, of course, they had to follow through with that foolish promise, too. And for us, we can look at that and we can say, well, of course. I mean, that's obvious. They, they should have just stopped. They should have stopped there, right? Not continued on, not followed through with that. Uh, confess to the Lord, this, this isn't right. But they didn't. They didn't just admit that they had made a foolish vow. And they followed through with what they said. So, they didn't have enough, though. They had 400 they're still short 200. So what do we do now? Oh, I know. Let's do it by force. You know, kidnapping. Oh, yeah, of course, right? Check this out. Hi. Verse 16. Then the elders of the congregation said, What shall we do for wives for those who are left, since women are destroyed out of Benjamin? And they said, There must be an inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin that a tribe not be blotted out from Israel. Yet we cannot give them wives from our our daughters. For the people of Israel had sworn, Cursed be he who gives a wife to Benjamin. So they said, Behold, there is the yearly feast of the Lord at Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, on the east of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem, and south of Labona. And they commanded the people of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie in ambush in the vineyards. And watch, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance in the dances, then come out of the vineyards and snatch each man his wife from the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. And when their fathers or their brothers come to complain to us, we will say to them, grant them graciously to us, because we did not take for each man of them his wife in battle. Neither did you give give them to them, else you would now be guilty." And the people of Benjamin did so and took their wives according to their number from the the dancers whom they carried off. Uh, Then they went and returned to their inheritance and rebuilt the towns and lived in them. And the people of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and family. And they went out from there, every man to his inheritance. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Right? We have the answer. Many people are going to be coming out to Shiloh for this festival, this annual festival. 
we know that they're going to be merry and they're going to be dancing and the virgin daughters are going to come out and, and dance joyous, joyfully before the Lord. So, they told the men of the tribe of Benjamin that they could not officially give their women to them. Hey, listen, but if by chance you come kidnap them, <laughs> you unofficially make them your wives, and you know, what can we do? We'll just, we'll just go ahead and look the other way. And when brothers and fathers come and complain to us, we'll make them feel bad. Because they didn't... Well, I mean, we couldn't give our daughters to them, but, but they, didn't, they didn't give their daughters uh, to you willfully, and so, you know, you should feel bad. Now, it's believed that these women were, were willing participants, but of course this was an unofficial arrangement. And therefore, they didn't have official approval, but the marriages would be allowed off the record, at least as far as the Israelites are concerned that had made this vow. It was, it was just something that they looked the other way with. Well, as twisted as this is, they gathered enough wives for them to go back to their inheritance, their land, and rebuild, and Israel went back to their respective towns. There, there are so many things here. Again, I want to remind you of the patience of our God. It's just unbelievable. We've gone through 21 chapters of this. 21 chapters. And I, I reminded you at the very beginning of this study, it covered a period of 400 years. We know that the Israelites in the wilderness were considered to be hard-hearted. They were hard-headed. They were unbelieving. But God was still faithful to them and with them. Their provision, I mean, all the stuff that they were, were given, sustained out in the desert. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. They were given manna for food. Water came out of the rock. God was still faithful, and he's still faithful today. Even though we, we falter, even though we fall short, he's still right there. He's still with us. He says he'll never leave us, never forsake us. He's with us all the way through. So by knowing these things, we ought to be quick to, to get up. That is, in asking for forgiveness for anything that we've fallen short in. Quickly. Why? Because we know that, oh God, I, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Uh, you have this humility before such a God. And He is such a God. He loves us in this manner that it, was ca- it would cause us to search Him out and want to glorify Him above all else. That's why I was saying earlier that we sh- shouldn't put our eyes on, on other people. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what other people do to us. It really doesn't. What matters is that we bring glory to our Lord in Him alone. 
We ought to seek him and his wisdom for our lives, that he may lead us by his spirit in all truth. For the Benjamites, they gathered enough wives, and they went back to their inheritance, their land, and they began to rebuild. And all of Israel went back to their respective towns, and, and, uh, and all of this was, was done with. What a time. What a time. How sad that Israel failed to consider their God and instead followed their own lustful desires in life, only to know death and destruction among themselves. This was, this was infighting. This, this was not, they should have continued to, um, to, to conquer and occupy the land and go through and establish themselves throughout the land. And instead, this is what they were doing amongst themselves. Amongst themselves. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Eventually, Israel's first kingdom would come from the tribe of Benjamin. I know Saul was uh, from the tribe of Benjamin, right? And so, eventually, Saul would come from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, but this was because Israel would reject the, their God as the one who led them. They would reject him as king, as lord of their lives, of the tribe, the tribes of Israel. And the desired... And they desired instead a king like the nations of the world had. And so Saul came. Throughout the book of Judges, we see a people who lived in utter chaos. And they were living in utter chaos because they had rejected God as their king. And they did what was right in their own eyes. They were a people who forgot God and continued to turn their back on him. And of of course, the commentary on that is how sad, right? How sad. That's why as we read through, we should realize, hey, listen, this is not what we want to give ourselves to. We, we don't want to be known by this last verse. In those days, there was no king in Israel. There was no king. There's no king here among us. There is a king. His name is Jesus. And he's our Lord. He governs us. And we ought to look to him for everything. We should look to him. Not ourselves, not each other, unless our brothers and sisters lead us to him, point us in his direction. But we, we shouldn't look to anyone else but him. We should accept his, his lead, his guidance. I pray that we would see God's faithfulness through it all. I pray that through all of this we would, we would come to see God's compassion I pray through all of this that we would see God's grace and we would see his mercy and love for his people. And with this be a loyal and trustworthy people who live for his glory, following closely and faithfully. We belong to him. Let us then reflect his character that he may be lifted up in our lives and honored as our God. That's what it should bring us to, to that very place. Listen, whatever it is that sometimes there, there are different things that come about in our own lives. Some, because of our own doing. Other things, listen, it's just part of life. It's just what happens. But know that God is faithful and he'll get you through. 
no matter what. There are highs and there are lows. For the Apostle Paul, he said, in whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content, satisfied with the Lord, because I know that he's faithful. We just went through, the men did uh, a study of 2 Timothy chapter 4. And one of the things that struck me was what the Apostle Paul had requested as he was in prison. He requested his cloak, which was uh, like an overcoat. It, it went over his, his, whatever clothes that he had on. It, it was more to keep him warm, his cloak. Right? He was asking for Timothy to come uh, before winter, come before winter. And um, so f- probably for two reasons. Number one, he wanted his cloak so perhaps he can be warm during the winter or a little bit more warm or a little bit warmer. And the other one was because he just he wanted to see Timothy. He asked for John Mark. He said he's beneficial for the ministry of the gospel. But he asked for his books also. So three, three, three things. Troas, or, uh, Troas. He, he asked for his um, tunic or his cloak. He asked for his books. He asked for the parchments. That was it. That was it. A man who at the end of his life, those are the things that he valued most. Just a little extra covering, that was it. He still wanted to continue on with the ministry, even though he was in prison. Saying, John Mark, bring him. He's beneficial for the gospel, for the, for the ministry of the gospel. I, I want him here. And bring me my books. I want to continue studying while I'm in, here in this dungeon. In the, have you ever seen pictures of the Mamertine prison? It's just a hole on the top, and it's just all stone around. It's a, it's a very cold and damp cell. So he wanted his books, and the last thing he wanted, bring me my parchments. Means That means is, is the Old Testament. Bring me on these parchments, are, are, that's scripture. So bring them to me. That's all I want. I pray that for us, that we would... Desire the word of God so much so that that would be enough. It would be enough to spread the gospel and to just have a little bit for ourselves. And that would be our greatest desire. Not that we would seek things for ourselves. The Lord blesses beyond our wildest imagination. He's blessed us so much. Our comforts that we have, even you know, coming in, into this place and, and worshiping him and, and, uh, and studying God's word. This is comfort. This is great. You know, I think the seats are so comfortable that people, you know, what they get out of the sermon is, is good rest. They sleep well. I see them. <laughs> hey, if you're that tired, stand up, right? Because we're here to get the word. But we ought to have the desire to to bless and glorify the Lord. Bless and glorify the Lord. And to not be like the Israelites were during these 400 years that continually took their eyes off the Lord and did what was right in their own eyes. They didn't have a king. We have a king. Let us then live in such a way that we we reflect that truth. Amen, church? Father, we thank you once more for your word. For through it, you you show us uh, 
the beautiful love that you have for us. But you also show us, Lord, uh, just the inconsistent manner in which we, we live ourselves. Lord, we, we are um, a people who need to learn how to glorify you, how to, how to love you, how to walk in the Spirit. Lord, I, I pray that we would be diligent in the study of your word, that we would understand what brings you glory, what honors you. That we would be a people who are passionate about you. Spreading the gospel that others may know salvation in Jesus Christ by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That they too would serve to come alongside and grow together. Growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us be those people. Let us be governed by you. Let us follow your lead according to your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, God bless you.